0: Welcome to Training Unleashed, the show that will help you design and deliver training that's off the chain and will make a difference. Now, here's your host, Evan Hackle.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting edition of Training Unleashed. Today, we have a real pleasure. We have a gentleman who is a true leadership expert. His name is Kevin Eikenberry. And he is with the Remote Leadership Institute. Kevin's written three or four books on leadership. He's got a very successful podcast on leadership. And one of the things that really excited me is this whole concept of virtual leadership, because as we all know, the world has changed. And as people in training, we know that being virtual is really key and helping our senior executives understand that art. It is, I, I believe, really critical. So we've got a great guest. Before we start, though, I do want to call out the C-Suite Radio and TV and thank them as a sponsor and appreciate everything that they do for us. And, of course, I want to thank the audience for listening. So, Kevin, uh, let's just start at the beginning, because you haven't been doing virtual leadership since the pandemic. You've been doing virtual leadership for years now. Um, yeah. So tell us a little bit about that.
0: Yeah, well, first of all, Evan, thanks for having me on the show. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to be here. So first of all, I've been leading a remote team, or really probably a hybrid team, for over a decade first. Uh, and then about seven years ago, we formed the Remote Leadership Institute as a part of our larger organization. Uh, I, brought, I worked, was working with a gentleman named Wayne Jermell, uh, who owned a company called Great Web Meetings, and his whole focus was around remote communication. Uh, for trainers, for presenters, for salespeople, et cetera. And so we brought our work together, uh, all of our leadership work, and brought that together under the umbrella of the Remote Leadership Institute. And then a couple of years later, I bought his company. And so, uh, and, and now we've written a couple of books in this area, one called The Long Distance Leader, and then more recently, earlier this year, The Long Distance Teammate. So we've been in this space helping people for a lot longer than, as you said, a lot longer than the pandemic.
1: Which, which I think is great. Our, our company actually has been virtual for eight years too. Um, and uh, so I'm actually very interested in the, the ideas and tips that you're gonna share. So why don't we just start with the beginning? What are some of the foundational principles uh, an effective remote leader needs to have in terms of being good at leadership remotely?
0: Well, I think the first thing, and, and we talk about this in, in, in the book, that, well, we identified a number of what we call the rules for remarkable remote leadership. And the first rule really gets at the heart of your question. And the first rule is leadership first, location second. So don't forget, a lot of times when anything changes, so this is sort of an overall principle for us as trainers. When anything changes, everyone wants to focus on the changed part but we need to remember what didn't change. And in the case of remote leadership, way more is the same than different. And so let's not lose sight of what we already knew. So if you're training remote leaders or you you are a remote leader, let's start by remembering what we know works. We know uh, that the roles that, the things that we have to accomplish haven't changed. And so the only question is, where are the nuanced changes that will help us be more successful when we don't see everybody uh, every day or or regularly, right? So I think that's the first thing is before we get to what's changed is to say, wait a minute, we already know a lot about this, Evan, and let's start there. So if we can get as trainers, if we can get people to take a breath and recognize um, what they already know, and now that we're a year plus into all of this for most people, uh, the question would be, so what have you learned in the last year? That can really help you uh, moving forward. So, you know, it, it really comes down to what are the nuances that are different. And of course, it starts with what's different about the work. And what's different about the work is that we don't have incidental and accidental communication anymore. Uh, we need trust more and may have less of it. Uh, the longer we work by ourselves, the more different pressures and tensions show up for us in our work, in our lives. With our teammates, Um, and and I think it's such a huge point that we become far more insular the longer we do it. The longer we see the same four walls every day, the more we start to see our job as our work. Um, I guess I'll I'll close this that that question with this point, and and that is that there's a big difference between working from home. And being a remote teammate. And the longer we work from home, that's, I mean, there are people now, you ask them what they do and they say, I work from home. They never ever said two years ago, Well, I work in an office. They told you what they did. (laughs) So we've, people have, people have started to reframe it um, because they don't have all of the things that remind them and keep them clear about the fact that they're a part of something bigger than themselves. And that's, that maybe at the end of the day is the single most important thing we got to work on.
1: So, is it easier or more effective to be a virtual leader than it is to be an uh, in-person leader?
0: Oh, there's awful. You, you and I are both consultants, right? So our favorite phrase is likely it depends. And so the <laughs> answer to that question is it depends. Um, there, there are certainly some things about it that maybe can be easier, but I think overall it adds a layer of complexity. I mean, in short, I think it adds a layer of complexity. Uh, I think that some leaders probably feel like it's easier, but if they really truly feel like it's easier, they probably have a really big blind spot. Uh, either, uh, most likely that blind spot is around the importance of the team, the importance of the relationships with the team members, uh, the level of trust, sort of cultural stuff. And so if, if you as a leader, or if you're working with leaders that say, hey, this is easier Chances are they've got a big blind spot so you need to help them, help them look at.
1: Um, you know, I think there are pros and cons for sure. Um, and I think that it's, it's an art. I think you, you get to practice it and really, and I like what you said at the beginning, you need to be intentional, right? You, need, you can't just say, well, I'm just going to do what I always do and I'm doing it virtually. You need to think about the medium and how, and how it works but let, let's let's just dig into it. What are the pros, and then what are the cons of working virtual? As well, obviously
0: for individuals. Oh, so for the organization, the pros, uh, of yeah. course, are that there may be some cost savings. Um, there may be some there may be some talent retention um, advantages, especially moving forward. There's there's certainly some talent retention advantages in terms of if the spouse of a team member is leaving, moving you don't necessarily have to lose that talent anymore. Right. So there's some sort of very um, specific and tangible things from that perspective, cost, talent, sorts of things. Um, But there are, there are certainly cons, right? Well, let's just stay with pros. So there are pros for the individual, right? Which might mean shorter commute. Average American has a 27 minute commute each way. So, In one way, you're getting back an hour a day. There may be some flexibility that is gained for individuals. Um, So there's some cost savings potentially for individuals. So there's a bunch of stuff on the pro side. The con side is it's, as we said earlier, I think generally speaking, harder to do it well. Collaboration can be harder to do, communication, which is sort of always hard in an organization, is harder. Um, so we could make a, we could make a pretty good list on both sides. I think,
1: you know, it's interesting for me because I've been virtual for eight years. What's happened has actually hurt me because one of my key hiring benefits was I let you work virtually because people like that, right? They, they like not having to spend an hour a day in their car. Um, they like the convenience if there's something they have to do and it's quick. They can do it. Uh, and now they have not that, you know, I, no one should be held hostage at my company to be clear, but now they have a lot more opportuni- opp- opportunities.
0: So well, and the expectation for that has changed. Yeah Adam, right. I mean, if we looked at, you look at the data, you look at the research from two years ago, and the number one desired perk by employees was the ability to work from home part of the time. That yeah. was a, considered a perk. Now not anymore. That's not a perk anymore. That's going to be considered like, I am going to come to work for you. If I can't work from home part of the time, it's no. It, it is moved from desirable to expected.
1: Yeah. So you have four principles. We've covered one. So shall we move to principle two?
0: Yeah, go tell me. Tell, I, I don't <laughs> you're keeping better track than me. So where do you? Where
1: <laughs> well, principle number one is don't forget you're a leader and ground yourself in being a good leader and not
0: and Regardless. not that that's principle one. Yeah. What's principle two? Okay. Well, I now I know we were gonna do four. So I go to principle number two. So principle number well, two you is, stated four. Well, I, I didn't remember that I said four. I apologize <laughs> for that. So, it's no, so it's here, not, here's it's the thing no problem, it's because no there's problem. probably 15 that we could we could talk about. So so you actually highlighted one that I think is critical and that's intentionality. Right. The intentionality component that in order for us, things that sometimes happen automatically when we were in the office don't now. And so we have to be more intentional. So we'll sort of tack that on as one. A. So let's go to principle number two. Uh, The more that we work remotely, the more our work becomes transactional. Here's an example. I work for you. Right. Hey Evan, I, um, I mean, I know you're busy. I just need a second. If you can help me with this one thing, here's my question. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Goodbye. That was a transaction, and there's a time and a place for a business transaction. We had some of those in the office. Yep. But in the office, we had a lot of natural interactions, and so. What we must create now, whether it's us as the leader or across the team, is to make sure that we're having interactions and not just transactions. So I think that, and that helps us in a lot of ways. It helps us with relationships. It helps us with trust. It helps us with culture. It helps us with a bunch of things. Uh, And so if I were to call it a principle in the limited time that we have, I would say more interaction and not just transaction.
1: And, and would you say that this is a bigger issue? Because I'm listening to you. You know, my, my company is between 15 and 17 people, depending on what time of year it is. No. Um, and because uh, I, I have some interns, but right. it, it's much easier, I think, for a smaller company like mine to have that interaction and chit chat time than it would be a company with thousands of people. I would imagine that it's much more difficult than bigger companies.
0: I think it all depends on the organizational culture because at the end of the day you have a you have a company of thousands but the people the, the number of people that people actually interact with is much less than that right yeah so so I think I, I would say it this way it's it's easier to create a culture when you have 15 to 17 or 20 people because yeah. you have a limited sphere in which to create. Uh, but even a mid-level manager, even a frontline manager in a large organization is creating a culture in their own team. And so I think in that way, I'm not sure that has to be different. We could probably do some research and say it looks different, but I don't think it has to be. I just think it ends up that way. Yeah. Too, many, too many leaders in larger organizations assume that culture doesn't belong to them, that it belongs somewhere else. Right. That's, the, that's senior leader's job. It is not. It starts with us. And we always will be creating a culture. The question is, are we creating the one that we want? So let's take that then to principle number three. So principle number three is the fact that relationships still matter, right? And so if we want relationships to still matter, if we believe that they still matter, we have to be more intentional in creating them. And so as a leader, here's the thing that you've got to do you have to role model it so if i if i need to know if i want to know how my folks are doing when i have a for example when i have a one on one with them i need to make sure i'm having an interaction with them and not just conducting the business and so i always say start with the thoughts and feelings before you get to the business because if you start with the business you'll never get to the rest you'll run out of time right? So start with the thoughts and feelings first. Start with the empathy. Start with the listening. Start with the how are you doing stuff. Now, if we do that, that helps our relationship with our team member. 100%. But there are some leaders that will tell the rest of the team we need relationships. Relationships are important and all that stuff. But if they're not modeling it in their interactions, forget it, right? It's not going to happen. So I'll give you a super simple example. Um, we use Slack as our instant messaging tool. Yeah, There are lots of those tools, but almost all of them have the ability to have channels or groups. It all depends on what they call them. In Slack, they're called channels. And we have a channel called the water cooler. I and love it. The water cooler channel is for what? Water cooler conversation. Right? So, yep. Yep. so. We create that, and it's different from the general channel. That's general business. Water coolers got no business in it. So and so if you want that to work, you need to participate in it. So for example, yesterday, I happened to read early in the morning that it was Willie Nelson's 88th birthday. I went in the water channel. Happy birthday, Willie Nelson. Tell everybody your favorite Willie Nelson song. Google it if you must. Like, it's like just have a little fun, right? People start putting in songs, people start putting in uh, YouTube links, and that's the kind of stuff that happened in the office.
1: Yeah, no doubt. I love that. That's a that's a great that's a great idea. I, I really, I, I I love that. Need to improve your business results?
0: Tordel's Rapid Curriculum Design Workshop might be just what you need. We partner with your business experts to identify knowledge gaps, determine training needs, and design a curriculum to help you achieve your business goals. We engage directly with the employees who have the most information to provide. The outcome of our rapid curriculum design workshop, a detailed blueprint with curriculum goals and strategies on how to implement the curriculum.
1: What other types of things can people do that uh, allow there to be more of a connection between, between people.
0: I'll give you two more things real quick. Number one is you can start doing tomorrow. Um, Think about when we had, when we were all in the office and we had a meeting, people would walk into the conference room and they would set their stuff down and, and other people would start to come in and set their stuff down. And what did they do? They started to chat about their day and about stuff not about the work necessarily right they just chatted and then the meeting started and we moved on so we had two three four five minutes of this rich non-work relationship building stuff so now what do we got uh we got a zoom meeting that gets started by the person who called the meeting Uh, And if they don't have the settings right, no one else, everyone else is waiting in the waiting room. Now, there may be a time and a place that like you did that with me for this. That's perfectly fine. But it's a different situation. Right. So set this set the settings so that anyone can be the one to start it or make sure a person that's not doesn't have a meeting right up against the other meeting starts the meeting. Opens the conference room door. And then as the leader. As I show up, if it's my meeting, I, I try to stay out, let that happen naturally, or or, or, I will, or I will comment, but I don't want to take over it, take it over, and I don't want it to the meeting to start. And as much as I believe that meetings should start on time, I will tell you, Evan, that in the last, well, for us, longer than this, but certainly in the last year, um, there have been lots of times when when that that rich conversation is happening and we don't start till one or two or three minutes late because there's no way I get that back.
1: You know, it's, it's interesting you say this because not in my company, but in another organization that I'm, I'm active in, um, the meeting is set to start and the person sends out a note saying, I will be on for 10 minutes, 10 minutes early for anybody that just wants to catch up on life. And those people that have time show up early just chit chat and those people that are super busy show up on time and i thought that was a that
0: you it's, know it's I, the same it's the same it's in the same vein it's a really good idea and oh by the way if you're having the meeting you should definitely get there early anyway you want to make sure your slides are going to work there's always the technology is that do i have the right microphone picked and all that stuff like you know listen you all are trainers and you guys are all in, in learning and development. And if you've ever been a trainer, you know you don't show up when this time for training to start. You show up a half an hour ahead. And if you're really good, you've got all the other stuff done. So when the first person starts arriving, you are no longer doing your trainer prep work. You're present with the group. Same thing should be true now. There's nothing different about that. Yeah, I,
1: I, I, I totally agree. Speaking of trainers, um. What advice do you give to a trainer to be effective virtually as a trainer versus being in person? Uh,
0: So first of all, get over it because it's here and it's been here for a year and it's not going to ever probably completely go away. So, you know, get over yourself about it. Uh, That's the first thing I would say. And the second thing I would say is uh, you got to learn your tools. Now, in my case, because we work with clients all over the world, I've, I've got to sort of know all the tools, right? Zoom and Microsoft Teams and Adobe Connect and WebEx and all that all that stuff. Likely, you only need to know one or maybe two. Get to know them well. And don't get to know them during the training, right? Yeah. Practice when it doesn't matter. Uh, and, and, and know how to set up breakout rooms if your tool allows it. And if your tool doesn't allow it, check to make sure that you've got the latest updates because every tool is going to have it if they don't yet. And some organizations don't have the version yet that allows for that. So are you going to use polls? How do you use the chat as opposed to just the polls? There's a time to use a poll and a time to just have that happen in the chat. And there's good reasons for both. Um, How are you going to share your slides? How are you going to do collaboration? How do you replicate the flip chart? All that stuff. Like, you've got to know that just like you did that in the room. And, you know, if we start using breakout rooms in the same way we did table group exercises, for example, the differences are not all that different.
1: They really aren't.
0: You can walk, you can you can hop between breakout rooms just like you walked around the tables. The only thing is it's a little more obvious that you're showing up. Like you know, walking around a room, I always like to try to keep my head down, not make eye contact, far enough away that I can hear it without being drawn in. Once you hop in, you kind of are in.
1: There's actually okay a way, there's actually a way you can do that in Zoom. Um, and there is, but that it's
0: kind of, it feels kind of creepy to me. Yeah,
1: you can have your camera off, and you can have the settings set up so that people don't see cameras that are off. But I do agree with you; it's a, it's a little it's a little creepy. Um, I just want to add one other thing because I do tons of virtual meetings and I totally agree with you. You got to know every feature, but there are also some other products. So I use a product called Poll Everywhere and it has all kinds of really neat ways to do prioritization, brainstorming, where you you can see a screen and everyone, like if I'm working on like a value statement or something, everyone can put in words and it will create word art and everyone can see it. Uh, you can do a thing where you brainstorm and people make a list, and then once the list is there, people can up and down vote things so that you can see what ideas are good. Some ways, I, with Poll Everywhere, I actually like it better than a live meeting because there's quite a bit you can do with the technology you can't really do with a flip chart.
0: Yeah, the uh, technology makes it easier than, than counting hot dots, right, or counting right, tick yeah. marks, right? So, yeah, there's, there's no doubt that some of that's true, and again, it all depends on what you're trying to accomplish, Right. And what, you know, listen, all good learning starts with the learner and the learning objective. Right. And as long as we keep ourselves focused on those two things, um, then we just make the platforms work. I I, I just I I think that. um, This far in. Right. We don't have a lot of excuses for not being pretty good at this. And not everyone's doing it as much as you or I are doing it, yeah. but we don't have a lot of excuses. And, and, and if, if you're still making that excuse in your head, it's just time to buckle up and, and learn the tools. Yeah.
1: And I'll say one very good thing is more people are willing to be on screen than they used to be because of the pandemic. So pre-pandemic, I would you know have a meeting with people and they're not on camera. I don't want to be on camera. and And now that's very, very rare.
0: Uh, yeah it's it's really interesting because we spent years trying to get people to you know uh, leaders would say how do I get people to turn on my cameras so, or you know basically that and and in about six weeks, for the most part, that all went away. Yeah right Now there are still some people that have concerns with it and oftentimes it's more concerns about what's behind them, you know showing their homes and all of that kind of stuff than anything else or, or what they're wearing. Or what they're wearing, but of course they wore something to work. Like I I have a little bit of challenge with that part. Like, well, I had someone one day say, "Well, you know, I didn't want to show on my camera because I didn't like the way my hair looked." Uh, Like a year ago, would you have not come to work? Because I don't think so, right? So anyway, um, no, no, yeah, no one, no one calls in. I'm having a bad hair day. I'm not coming to work. (laughs) They put on a hat or whatever, you know. So, so I, I think that there's now the challenge is the other side which is you know zoom fatigue on the on the on the uh, screen too much and i i think that it's very it's variable i i think there are some people that are probably using that as an excuse and i believe it's real right And, and we've long been big believers in the webcam for lots of reasons mostly because it makes the conversation richer then if we don't have it, we've got the verbal, the vocal, and the visual cues, right? But I will say this, as much as I love the webcam, that the the most forgotten communication medium, since we all went remote, is this thing right here, and I'm not talking about apps, I'm talking about... So he's pointing
1: 11. to a phone for people that are... Yes,
0: and yes, I was about ready to say that, so if you're only listening, which is most of you, um, I'm, I'm talking about the phone, yeah, use the phone... For a phone, um, it, it's way better than an email in many cases. Not in every case, but in many cases. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me.
1: No, I I, I I totally agree with that. I, I do think that there's a tendency to go back to back to back with Zoom. And, you know, when you plan a meeting, it generally gives you 15-minute increments. And But you don't have to. You can actually go in and change it and make it a 50-minute meeting. Um, and, you know, I think that's, you know, a a really good practice, and I have a scheduler that won't allow, I allow other people to schedule meetings with me, Uh, and it's extremely handy, because anybody in my company can schedule a meeting with me whenever they want, sort of like an open-door policy, but my schedule will not schedule two meetings back-to-back. It will, at minimum, give me a 15-minute break, um, which is important, because I get to go to the bathroom,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, when we walked between meetings, uh, we at least had time to walk past the restroom. Right. So yeah. uh, there's a lot of research that says the back to back isn't healthy, but you don't need research to know it. You know that that's true. So I'll just say a couple things about that. And one is that I'm a big believer, as you are in the scheduling, like um, not every meeting needs to be 30 minutes or or an hour. Right. Um, or even 15 right? Sometimes, especially a one-on-one might only need to be eight minutes. That's fine. So I'm a big believer in if you're going to schedule the meetings, well, I'll give you two things. First of all, for many people, I would encourage you to schedule 50-minute or 45-minute meetings rather than hour meetings, because for the most part, uh, the work expands to the time allotted. Yeah, I, I totally agree. That's the first thing I would say. And the second thing I would say is we do something that seems Uh, paradoxical to that is is that once a month, we have, we have meetings on, on various things, but we have one meeting a month. that's an all hands meeting for our team. And it's scheduled for 90 minutes. And the agenda is never more than 70 minutes. Why do we schedule it for 90? Here's why. Because at the end of a lot of meetings, people end up with action items of things they need to talk to somebody about. They are never fresher than right then. I don't have to go find time on Evan's calendar or George's calendar or Jane's calendar because they're in this meeting with me. And, and I, I I wish I had a dime for every time during our meeting and say, Hey, can you, can you talk as soon as this meeting is over and we can do that and not impact the rest of their calendar because it was already scheduled for 90 minutes. And we're almost never going more than 75 and we're not usually going more than 65. So worst case you got 20, 25 minutes back in your calendar. Best case, you got two or three things off your list that might have been lingerers. Yeah, so it,
1: it's interesting. In our meetings, we have time at the end with something my partner Cordell Riley idea called good and welfare. And at the end of the meeting, you basically get an opportunity to share some good news in your family, a birthday, graduation, whatever it is, and you also get an opportunity to thank somebody else. So everyone goes and you know goes pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a, a nice way, I think, to bring in the personal into the into the meeting and, and let you know people be more than just attending a meeting.
0: And of course, that's a great idea, whether we're virtual or whether we're not. It's just that now that we're virtual, uh, or if your future looks hybrid that it's more important than ever. I, I find myself saying that phrase a lot. I, it's always been important. It's more important now than ever. Yeah.
1: So uh, Kevin, we could talk forever. Um, I know you have more principles and people can reach out to you if they want to know more. know, you know, we, you know I, 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 I pride myself on this show for giving people real tips, right? That they, they, they leave the show with, I like that, I can take these ideas away. And I think we've had plenty. But no way in 30 minutes can someone learn everything you know from
0: your years. Maybe ago. all they want to know. That's certainly possible. <laughs> um, but but there, it is true that there is a lot of stuff we could have talked about we never got to. That's for sure.
1: And, and another principle of learning is people can only learn so much. You get to the point where, you know, you know it's, I, I like, you know, I use this term and it shows how old I am. To think of your brain like a cassette recorder, and that once it gets past the end of the tape, and for some people that tape could be two hours, some people it could be fifteen minutes, it starts to re-record, and you forget the other the other ideas. Um, so, and then
0: some people have to Google what a cassette tape is. You know that, right? Yeah,
1: I do. I do huh? know that. It's, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm not going to take the time to explain. Go ahead and Google if you don't know. <laughs> Um, you know, now, if I had said it's like an A track, <laughs> then people would really be wondering what I'm doing.
0: Well, so what we could have done, if we'd have thought about that, Evan, is we could have, um, you know, about every eight or nine minutes, one of us could have gone clunk. And then <laughs> we could have gone. We could have had the tracks right here. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's true. We could have.
0: Um, but,
1: uh, Kevin, why don't you tell people about your company what you do, who are the clients that you know appreciate what you do? Um, I think our our listeners would be very interested, and of course, we'll get to your tip. Yes. Yeah, so, so you
0: you mentioned um, you mentioned that we created the Remote Leadership Institute, which we did, and it's so you can learn more about everything that we do in the area of. Um, remote leadership and remote teamwork and all of those things at remoteleadershipinstitute.com. When you go there, you can very quickly see a link to sign up for our weekly newsletter about everything related to remote work. You can do that or you can do the same thing by going to KevinEikenBray.com slash remote. We'll get you signed up for that newsletter as well. Um, And we have a brand new website in that same area that's called thefutureofwork.biz. Brand new. In fact, as you and I are having this conversation, it's not even completely finished. But it's really to really help us think about what's coming next. It's the what is the future of work going to be? You know, a year and a half ago we were sent home. <laughs> Everyone went home. Future of work.biz. The future of work dot biz. Yep. I, I like um, that. It's kind of cool. Yeah. So, you know, we, were, we didn't have a choice really when we went into the lockdown. Now we have all sorts of choices about where we're going to work, how we're going to work, what when we're going to work. And organizations are going to make those decisions. Super important. We're going to try to help organizations make good decisions about it and how to do it. So our perfect client, whether it's in the whole remote area or in the rest of our business, is an organization that believes. And I'm sure everyone that's listening, this is true for believes that learning matters, believes that in order for our organizations to grow, our people must grow. uh, and, And they are organizations that believe that it's an investment. And so we believe that training is an event, but learning is a process. And so organizations that agree with that philosophy tend to like working with us.
1: I love that. It sounds like a cliche, but it's the first time I've ever heard it. So uh, obviously, an original statement. <laughs> training is an event.
0: Learning is a process,
1: and learning is a process. I I I really love that. It's that, that's a, a, a really po- a powerful analogy, and of course, what you're saying just fits nicely in with the show, training unleashed, because we're all about unleashing the power of training to improve profitability and growth in companies. Um, so uh, you know, you you are like the perfect guest from that from that perspective. So thank you um well, you're welcome it was a pleasure to be here for sure yeah what what did you already give us the offer because it sounded like you did
0: well i gave you one i'll give you i'll give you two here so so you can go to uh kevin com slash remote and get signed up for our our weekly remote work newsletter uh or you can go if you follow me on if you excuse me if you connect with me on linkedin you can get and connect to our newsletter there remarkable results which really leads each week with an article about the future of work as well. Love to be connected with you on LinkedIn. Go ahead and reach out to me there. I'd love that.
1: That'd be great. So Kevin, as you know, and the reason why people listen to the end is if you had one tip to share for our audience, and it can be anything, it doesn't have to be around this topic. What's that one tip that you would share?
0: Uh, Learning is personal. And as trainers, as learning professionals, sometimes we forget that. Our job is to help people have the aha moment. Discovery learning is the most valuable, the most powerful, the most lasting kind of learning. So our job as a learning professional is to help people create that moment. And that moment is not about us, it's all about them.
1: I love that. That's a, what a a great tip to match the theme that you really started with the whole meeting about, which is remember it's about leadership and that personal touch is about being a leader as a trainer. So thank you very much, Kevin. It's great to have you as a guest. Um, I wanna thank all of our listeners. Without you, we would not have this show. I also want to, again, thank C-Suite Radio and TV for your help and support. Um, and again, Kevin, thank you. So, oh, I forgot. Um, trainingunleash.net is our new website. We got a new book club. So we're reading books together with the listeners of the team. And it's, it's a lot of fun. There's no dedicated time. It's all online forum conversation. Really easy to do. Definitely check it out. And uh, Kevin, again, thank you. Great, great guest. And everyone have a great day.
0: Training Unleashed is brought to you by Tortal Training, specializing in e-learning and interactive online training solutions for corporate, government, nonprofit, and franchise organizations. Tortal makes effective training easier. Just go to Tortal.net to gain access to real-world tools that can make a difference. That's Tortal.net, T-O-R-T-A-L, Tortal.net.